Hello and welcome to The Daily Reprieve, where we provide essays, speaker meetings, workshops, and conferences in podcast format. We are an ad-free podcast. If you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and drop a dollar or two into the virtual basket. Please consider donating monthly by clicking the Donate Monthly button. However, one-time donations are always welcome. Just click the Donate Now button. Now, without further ado, this episode of The Daily Reprieve. My name's River. I'm a sexaholic. I live in Kansas City, Missouri, um, in the United States. So grateful to be here and so not happy to be here. <laughs> uh, speaking is uh, very, very anxiety provoking for me. Um, my friend Jean T uh, did teach me, though, that I could pray uh, to ask God to get me out of the way and to help the people in the room hear what it is that they need to hear um, for their uh, recovery today. It is my greatest desire to be able to demonstrate in some way the working of this amazing program that has revolutionized my life. It's given me a life. Um, And I am incredibly grateful to the program and I want to do a good job. And that is one of my problems is I try way too hard. I expect too much of myself. I forget that I'm not God. um, And um, I take myself way too seriously. Um, So it's good to say those things out loud. And how much fun is it that I know more people than I don't know on this call? I mean, that blows my mind. Uh, When I came to um, Sexaholics Anonymous, I had one friend in the world. Um, He was also a horrible, horrible sex drunk alcoholic like me. And um, now I know people all over the world who love me, who show up for me, who support me in this amazing way that we do for each other. So uh, I chose the topic Uh, progressive um, about progression uh, because it was progression in the disease that helped me to qualify for my first program, which was Alcoholics Anonymous. I got sober in AA in 2013. I got sober in SA in 2015. Um, But in 2011, I made my first attempt to... um, get qualified and to stay in the rooms of recovery in AA, um, but I couldn't stay because I didn't feel like I qualified. I had a man at that time who asked me a question, which was, um, was my drinking today the same as it was when I first started drinking? And um, the two years that I spent out um, living in my bottom after that, um, that question kept ringing in my ear, you know, Uh, and the truth of the matter was, is my drinking had progressed considerably. Um, And I couldn't deny that I denied a lot of things as you'll hear. (laughs) But I could not I could not deny that my drinking had progressed. And so progression, uh, the awareness of the progression of the disease has always been important to me. Um, And the recognition of the progressive nature of recovery is also striking to me now that I'm, you know, just five years sober, which holy cow, five years sober. I mean, that is crazy. (laughs) I didn't uh, land in the program until I was 50 years old. So that was a lot of drunk, you know, drunk a log. And so um, I. don't want to get stuck in my drunkalogue. It, it can be really challenging for me sometimes when I'm talking about the problem to bridge to the solution. Um, and it's sometimes hard for me when I'm in the solution to remember that I am a hopeless sexaholic. <laughs> and so speaking can get tricky for me because sometimes I feel like I don't actually fully qualify myself by sharing about what it was like. Um, and sometimes I feel like I only talk about that and forget to share what the solution is, which is the most important thing. And yet, um, without that common um, problem, I mean, 
that's kind of the point of 12-step recovery. And the reason that it works is one sex drunk identifying with another one and showing, well, if that person can do it, maybe I can too. And so uh, I um, uh, will just start with the progression in my sex addiction, which um, I uh, was born into um, probably a sexaholic family. I mean, I can't qualify them, but it was an unwholesome family. We'll say it like that. And um, pornography stashed all over the house. And as a little child, I can remember being driven, just obsessed with finding pornography, my dad's pornography stash. Um, And it just kind of hurts my heart to think about, you know, this little person looking for pornography and what my childhood was filled with. Um, And I began masturbating at the age of seven. It became compulsive uh, daily masturbation before I was 12 years old. Um, So, yeah, okay. Uh, I uh, found romance novels. I was one of those people who uh, was reading books in between classes. Um, I lived my life in sexual fantasy. And... uh, completely bypassed all of the normal growing up that other children go through with, you know, dating, handholding, all of those natural things. I just, uh, you know, I had masturbation and I had um, pornography and I had my romance novels. And that continued on until I got to college and I started acting out with other people Um, I was an athlete, and so those people around me who were most uh, accessible happened to be women, Um, and so I started acting out with women, um, and I did identify myself as a lesbian for a long time, even though the reality is is that I was a sex addict, really just uh, participating um, in sex with self, and other people happened to be there too. I mean, sad but true. Um, And then it progressed to adultery. Um, It was back in the 80s and 90s when um, they still had these newspapers, (laughs) actual paper newspapers where you could put ads in there, you know. And but that quickly became tiresome, too, because it was a lot of work when all I had, you know, I could do one night stands and bars. And um, then it progressed into doing exhibitionism and voyeurism. I uh, got into some crazy, crazy scenes in the world. Uh, I won't go into details. Multiple partners um, until ultimately um, I thought I had come up with the best idea ever. And I became um, a sex worker and ended up making a lot of money um, doing what I thought was healing. I thought I, I actually believed that I was a healer, a sexual healer of some sort. And it's so, uh, you know, cringeworthy to remember some of the things that I believed that I was doing when it was actually very, very sick behavior. Um, And so, um, yeah, it was um, a decline uh, over my entire life to this point of uh, essentially taking money for uh, my sexual acting out which I only knew in hindsight, you know, at the time I thought this was perfectly normal, healthy, that the rest of the world was crazy. And um, the problem was um, that I was incredibly unhappy. Um, I knew that there was something wrong. I just couldn't figure out what it was. Um, So I did all of the seeking of therapies, self-help programs, spiritual seeking. I dabbled in lots of different spiritual paths, did some really wild things in the effort to try to get happy. Um, But the only thing that seemed to bring me any sort of relief was to act out more or to drink more alcohol. And so I would, um, yeah, I had um, a child, with having to pick a man who was also a sexaholic, uh, tried to do the, you know, I know I'll have, I'll get married and have a baby form of getting myself happy. Um, but I picked another sexaholic man, um, who 
left when my daughter was one. So I was a single mother, um, drop her off at school, travel across the city to um, uh, an apartment that I had rented to take money um, and go back home, pick up my daughter. Um, and um, in order to be able to sustain that, I had to drink more and more alcohol. And so ultimately, I met a man in uh, one of my spiritual programs who suggested that since I had tried every other form of getting happy, that I might try AA. And um, so I went to Alcoholics Anonymous, um, looked for all the differences rather than similarities and just could not stay. Um, And so I ended up not being able to practice my sex work anymore. Um, It was too disgusting to me, no matter how much alcohol I drank. Um, And so I spent two years just lost. I tried the geographic cure. I tried um, lots of different things during that two years. It was just the most horrible experience. Uh, I will never, I never want to go back to that. Um, And um, I had um, kept two of my clients as, you know, Anyway, sugar, I called them sugar daddies, you know. Um, Anyway, one of them ended up um, passing. He um, he had a stroke and died, you know, as a result of, you know, in my house and that kind of thing. And um, I just, I literally drug myself back to Alcoholics Anonymous, just in pitiful, incomprehensible demoralization. Um, And I knew I wasn't going to be able to stay sober unless I got help with my S prop, my S problem. Um, and in sexaholics anonymous, um, there were no other women there. Um, so I used my AA sponsor. Um, and this is where my, um, the progression of my recovery begins. Thank you, God. (laughs) Um, so I, um, I used my AA sponsor as my SA sponsor, and that was not a, a great solution for me, but at least I was in the room. I'd made it to the rooms of recovery, of S recovery, and there were no other women there. Um, I feel compassion for my brothers who were in the room at that time with me because I was incredibly angry. Um, uh yeah. Yes. Again, cringe worthy. Worthy when I think about some of those meetings, you know, and I would rage against my brothers, and um, I just hated men, and I hated women even more. And then I remembered I was one. You know, what's up with this God business? You know, you know what kind of a God, you know, creates um, the human body to feel pleasure, only to you know for it to cause this kind of depravity and Oh, they put up with so much abuse in those early days. And I did not believe that anyone in the room was adhering to the sobriety definition. I just could not believe that it was possible. (laughs) And I didn't believe that they were telling the truth. I mean, that is my truth. I didn't believe it. And um, that was convenient uh, because, therefore, I could take um, uh, an acting out partner. And I thought, you know, this is so much better, you know, than taking money for sex. You know, I had a committed relationship with a man who cared about me. We were both getting sober in AA. And I thought, you know, this is, you know, what's wrong with this? And I had an AA sponsor who agreed. (laughs) So um, I just lied about my sobriety uh, in the rooms of SA for Uh, whatever that was, nine months, too long. Uh, My father was dying of cancer at that time, and um, I got to make uh, an eight-step amends to him uh, before he passed away. It was a very um, powerful and moving experience for me. This was a man who there was just uh, lots of... um, Sexual ickiness is just what I'll call it, just sexual ickiness between uh, him and I. I would never be in a room alone with him, Um, would not want to touch him, you know, just no. Um, And before he died, uh, God really 
uh, worked a miracle in my life and I was able to make a full amends to my father and, and he passed away, you know, and I had love in my heart for the man and tremendous compassion for someone who was, you know, sick and never found any help. Um, and it was after my father passed away that I was able to get honest about my relationship um, with my acting out partner and um, got honest with my group and broke that off and started um, practicing true sexual sobriety in the program. Um, I went to an international um my first international um, in Denver where I got to meet other women in recovery and was inspired to know that I was not the only female sexaholic in the world um, and found my essay sponsor there. Sorry. <laughs> the tears, they just come out of nowhere, you know. Oh God. Anyway, I'm just incredibly grateful. You know, I just thought I was just this sick, perverted girl, you know, who was just so broken, you know, like, and then I found all these other women. Other women. I found all these other women in recovery that I could uh, care about and who, who cared about me. And it really um, started to ch majorly change. My recovery just really took off in SA at that point. Um, because my essay sponsor helped me to get honest with myself about <clears throat> um, the many forms of um, lust that I was holding on to, all of those bottles that were stashed away, you know. <laughs> um, and they, they continue to come out of the woodwork, to be honest. Um, I'm assuming, because I've heard people with longer-term sobriety speak, that it's an ever progressive recovery after I can give up the actual sexual acting out and that it's, it's no joke to give that up because there were days that I thought that I was going to die. I mean, I had physical withdrawal symptoms from withdrawing from lust and um, I just thought life was not worth living. It was, it's a powerful drug. Um, but the progression in recovery where I start to actually see the truth and the fact that I've actually been like a fish in water swimming in lust my entire life. And as the lust, um, I start to use the program to eliminate more and more lust from my life. Um, I start to resurface in actual reality. And it's like, Oh my gosh. <laughs> wow. There's a world here. There's a life here. There are trees here. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's like, um, it's possible to enjoy myself in a, just a natural, simple and wholesome way. I, I, not only did I not know that it was possible I, I didn't even know that it was an option. Like it wasn't even on the table for consideration because I was living in darkness. And so anyway, it's been uh, revolutionary for my life. And um, so some of the ways um, that I've gotten more honest with myself about uh, lust in my life um, have not been easy realizations like, um, Oh, for instance, um, friendliness. Um, that's a really big one up for me right now is friendliness. Um, friendliness, to a large extent, is some form of um, wanting to get something from another person. You know, my, my sexaholic wants to say, you know, I'm not interested in having sex with this person. This is, you know, not my type, you know, this is not somebody I'm trying to get with, you know, and so friendliness is okay. Um, but the reality is, is that oftentimes it's just inappropriate um, participation in another person's life that they haven't invited me into. It's hard to describe, but let's see. Um, oh, here's an example. Um, I, um, most of the men in my home group are married men. 
um, and I'm a single woman. Um, and for a long time, the only woman in my essay group, we do have some women there now, which I'm very, very grateful for. Um, but it's hard being, you know, without fellowship that the men get to have. Um, where five more minutes. Five? Five. Is that right? Okay. For some reason, I did the math wrong, Liliana. I asked you to do this, and now I'm not even believing you. Okay, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, five minutes. So, um, so the men in my program, you know, it's just like I told my sponsor. I said, I know uh, what I can do to feel like I'm part of the group. I will pray for the men and their wives. You know. How, you know, how wrong can that be? And she's like, no, you know, leave the men and their wives alone. You know, you've already, you know, interjected yourself into the lives of men and their wives your whole life. You know, how about you just work on your relationship with God and leave them alone? That's an example. Or my neighbors, uh, I have neighbors who are a married couple, you know, and I find myself being friendly with the husband just because he's friendly, you know, without the consideration that, you know, how might his wife view this, a single friendly neighbor, you know, taking interest in his, uh, in her husband. Um, That's an example. Another example is um, um, catching myself, checking myself out as I walk past a mirror, you know, and recognizing, you know, the sexual objectification of myself as a animal species, you know, it's just like, wow. Um, yeah, I spent some time with um, a scarf over my mirror um, as a just a willingness to demonstrate, you know, I want none of this lust in my life, period. Um, and as I continue to, you know, travel down this road of recovery, you know, the the women in my program helped me to see for myself. I now have the, the luxury of sponsoring other women in the program who get to show me myself. Um, and I get to learn how to care about myself by caring about them. And um, it's been the hardest thing I've ever done. Spon- maybe not ever. It's been really hard, hard for me. Um, I also qualify for Al-Anon so I can get overly involved in trying to organize and uh, instruct uh, people on how they ought to get sober. Um, but God's working on that too. Oh my gosh, I, I, I did want to bring up God uh, before my time is up, which is I came into the program as an atheist and um, am so grateful for all of those years that I spent railing against God and um and now I'm in a place where I can see that God has been pursuing me my whole life throughout this entire addiction, like every step of the way, God was there with me. I can see that now, um, throwing up obstacles, keeping me safe. I mean, the fact that I wasn't killed is amazing. I mean, I just, God was protecting me and, um, And now that I am in a place where I recognize the grace that I've been given to have the willingness to keep showing up for this program, I feel a sense of um, like, I want to give it back to God. You know, like God was pursuing me and now I get to pursue God. And um, I wake up every single day that way um, with my prayer and meditation, asking for God's help to spend another day in this amazing world of sobriety. Don't get me wrong. Uh, yeah, you get sober and you'll feel better. And um, I'm not still not too crazy about all these feelings I'm feeling. But I have other people in the program I can rely on now who help support me in this process. Um, I found this Wednesday night women's meeting and there's quite a few of the women on the call today who are on that women's meeting with me. And Uh, That has been such a boon to my recovery, and I feel so, so grateful. Um, Lots of people on the call here today, too, that I met in Madrid and at other international conventions who have a very special place in my heart with some great memories that I'll always cherish. And so anyway, thank you, everyone, for being here, and I'll pass. 
Hi, this is Catherine Sexaholic. Hi, Catherine. Hi, everyone. Uh, <laughs> I uh, am so thrilled to be here. And uh, River, it's a real privilege uh, to hear your story. Sometimes, you know, what do we say? If we forget our story, we are at risk of repeating it. And uh, we talk about having, you know, keeping the memory green. And uh, also about we almost, when we're sharing, uh, doing 12-step work, we almost relive that experience. And, and it's so vital to have that sense of identification. And uh, I... I I have I don't want to say t- I've totally been in the cave for going on three years, um, but I really uh, took the um, uh, closing of my group uh, locally here in Olympia, took it real hard. I thought you're you're supposed to leave if you don't like if you don't like the fellowship, but instead they were like, no, we're something else now. And, uh, you know, I just really didn't want to jump in there and, and, and do different things. And uh, phone calls are okay. But, and, and now here we are in, in, in this experience of uh, having to do everything remotely. And it's just been the best thing. Um, and uh, getting to know you guys and getting in the middle again and, and being able to give service and remembering that, you know, I may, I may not feel like I have much um, today or at any given time, but when I see you and listen to you, I remember why I'm here and what a blessing it is to have come out of that darkness into the light and to be able to share that light with others, uh, who are um, still still out there, and thank God I wasn't entombed in my disease, and I feel that I, uh, it's a miracle. I don't know how it is that, um, you know, here I am, and here I'll that's, stay. And, that's time, and, Catherine. Okay, I'm done speaking. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Catherine. Uh, Jackie? Hi, I'm Jackie. I'm a sexaholic. Uh, I don't have any questions for you, River, but um, I just want to thank you so much for uh, for sharing. You know, it's really a delight uh, uh, to hear you share uh, a really honest share, and um, you know, it's it's been a joy to uh, to see you on your road of recovery. Thanks. Thanks, Jackie. Uh, Suzanne. Hi, uh, Suzanne Sexaholic and um, River. Yes, I am just so grateful. I've heard you before, but of course, it's different every time. And I really appreciate your focus on progressive recovery. And so I do have a question for you. And that is that um, I know that you've been working on friendliness that, you know, it needs to be appropriate and not, you know, whatever leading to flirtation or, or, you know, uh, disturbing to someone else. Um, but I guess I'm, my question is with the men in the rooms, because you said you were so angry, you know, at them at first. And now you're calling them brothers. And I guess I just want to know a little bit about that transition. Like, how do you how do you think that worked for you? OK, thank you, Suzanne. <clears throat> um, well, the COVID situation has really helped me with that, to be honest. Um, I went through another period of anger towards my brothers in recovery, whom I felt like um, completely left me out of any discussion of how are we going to stay together as a group when, mm-hmm. when the churches shut down. Um, and I was completely isolated. Um, and um, it has been a process of, um, like um, loving detachment, loving detachment. Um, so um, it, initially when I started practicing it, it didn't feel particularly loving. It felt like, you know, well, if you're not going to think of me, I'm not going to think of you, you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
uh, which evolved into uh, a more mature uh, respect for, oh, they're over there living their lives, getting sober in the way they need to get sober. And this is an opportunity for me to look inward to my higher power, what my relationship is with God, and find other women that I can begin to connect with and actually build this relationship that I have chosen not to do uh, when I, you know, had my brothers, so to speak. Even Do you know what I mean? It was just like, we were doing that thing we did every week in recovery and I was doing my service. And I thought that, you know, we had a relationship in a way that we didn't have. It was another form of a lie of how I had um, a type of connection or intimacy with the men in recovery that wasn't real. And so now I can see them more for who they are and respect them for the individuals that they are completely separate from me, that I don't need something from them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Thanks, Suzanne. Thanks, River. Uh, Liliana, your hand is raised. Yes. Uh, I'm Liliana, sexaholic, and thank you so much, River. I like the uh, topic of progressive victory. Um, and I... Um, you know, I myself, I try to stay in the solution on a daily basis, but situations do come up uh, where I feel challenged. But more and more, being in the solution, I was able yesterday, and this was like I wouldn't be able to do unless I had solid grounds of recovery. Uh, you know, I was uh, doing some business in my father's home, and we have a, a new, newer person running a room and I could tell that he was in a lot of physical and emotional pain and I asked him if he would be open for me to pray over him and um and he was so that happened but the miracle is that um I felt comfortable here we were alone and I felt comfortable and I felt compassion for his he's a very young man in his 20s for him and I was willing to say if he didn't feel comfortable with me doing that, then that was fine with me too. Um, but, you know, this is, this is what happens in recovery. We get opportunities to be of service, not only to our fellows in these rooms, but also out there in the world where there is a lot of, um, you know, there's a lot of pain out there. And I like to be part of the solution. And that's what this program enables me to do. Thank you so much. River, I really appreciated your share. Thank you. Thank you, Liana. Uh, Carolina. Hello, River. Yes, I just want to say you thank you. Thank you very much. I really, I really, you touched my heart. Um, I was supposed to be in another activity, but God arranged my life. And five minutes before the meeting, I I connect. I changed my God changed my plans, and I am here and very glad to to hear you. Thank you, thank you very much. Thanks, Carolina. Nancy, good. Go ahead. Yeah, my name is Sexaholic. Um, it's so good to see you, River. I remember when you first came in and um, you have touched my life and you have touched my heart and I treasure um, the way we've gotten to know each other. Um, I really want to thank you for sharing honestly. And you did, you really did a nice job of balancing what it was like and what happened and what it's like now. Um, you know, five years is a lifetime. And you have a lifetime of recovery to share. Thank you very much. Thanks, Nancy. Luke. Okay. Hi, this is Luke. I'm sorry I couldn't put up the, the hand, probably because I'm the host. I don't know why. Um, 
River, thank you so much for your share. I have one question. You said you earned a lot of money. You acted out a lot. You did very dangerous things. The dream of every active addict, but you were very, very unhappy. Yeah, you were extremely unhappy, you said. Are you happy today? Thank you. Thanks, Luke. Uh, <clears throat> River symbolic. <laughs> uh, answering questions and sobriety is so different than it was when I was not sober. Um, and so like, it's almost like I'm learning a new language. It's the same words, but they have different meanings. And so, yes, I'm happy today. Um, Before I got sober, I'm not sure that what I feel today I would have called happy. <laughs> and so um, it's and I feel very um, um, compelled to be honest today because I know that honesty is key for continued sobriety. And so I want to give an honest answer. And so, I mean, it's not uh, unicorns and rainbows every day. It's not. Pleasure, 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 and more pleasure every day. Um, but it is real, and it is um, from God. It is joyful. It is um, innocent. It is raw. Um, it can feel like my, you know, like um, in some some sense, it's almost like I'm dying um, because I am dying to self, um, and so the self that is dying is not particularly happy about that, but it's like uh, the God part of myself has gotten big enough now to say it's okay. <laughs> you know, it's okay that there's part of you that's not happy and is dying because this other part of yourself is incredibly happy, sustained and will be with you forever and ever. And so, yes, I'm happy. Pass. <laughs> Thank you. It's a it's a wonderful answer, and I can identify. And I saw that a lot of members on the screen were nodding while you were while you were uh, sharing. So thank you so much. Thank you, Luke. Wendy. Hi, hi, River. Hi, group. I'm Wendy, sexaholic. Um, <laughs> Yeah, you, you really moved me today, River. Um, and I, I just want you to know, I don't I don't know if you realize this, but you also are one of the first women in the program that I really feel close to. Um, you know, with the, with the way of my acting out, women were basically seen as competition. And um, I wanted nothing to do with them. I remember going into a women's meeting and thinking, why am I here? Um, but then, as you mentioned, meeting other women and specifically you at retreats and conventions, um, I really start to feel, feel that real connection, that real connection between not just between God, but between women um, that now I consider, you know, my best friends. And even if we don't every day. Um, I think about you a lot and um, I can't wait to see you. It's so good to see you on, on the screen today. Um, and I really just appreciate you sharing your recovery today and with me every day. Thank you. Thanks, Wendy. I'm moving over now. Jean, Jean T. And uh, I've enjoyed our relationship. I, I, I missed you because of the retreats with COVID virus and conventions. And uh, this will be coming up on the, the like the third event that we we're not going to have this fall. And uh, I just want to keep encouraging you. I felt like I, I wanted to be a part of encouraging you and uh, listening to you today. I wanted you to have more time. <laughs> She said five minutes. I said what? She just gets to the good part. <laughs> Let's go. And uh, River, uh, you're a hero of mine. You're a pioneer in our region and in our fellowship. 
uh, I just want to encourage you to keep growing like you are. And uh, I loved hearing you today. Thanks for sharing. Thanks, Jane. Hey, Stan, you'd go ahead. Hey, Francis. Um, <clears throat> uh, thanks for the meeting. Uh, thanks, uh, River, for your uh, um, your share. Uh, it was amazing. Um, there was a part of it um, when you started getting choked up. I, I, I started getting choked up as well, and just recognizing that um, this this fellowship is amazing, uh, men and women alike. And um, I really identified with your share when you talked about. Um, the situation you have with talking with other men um, right now, I'm, I'm, I've been married um, for over 20 years and uh, right now my wife uh, is pursuing divorce and uh, um, I've been in recovery for two and a half years. Um, and the issue right now um, for me is, is just having full acceptance of that and wanting to have a forgiveness and mercy with her. Um, and I had a situation um, uh, after my wife had disclosed a, a second uh, emotional affair that was going on that had been going on for several months. Uh, I was kind of going into a pit for a while of just uh, resentment and uh, fear. And um, I recognized that, uh, you know, I, I continued to work to program on it, but I was approached by a woman at a coffee shop who wanted to talk about spiritual matters and stuff of that nature, noticing my Bible. And I got into a long three hour discussion with them. I disclosed it to my sponsor and he directed me to not be, um, you know, pursuing that woman, but, um, you talked about your relationship talking with other men. Uh, is, is there more that you could, um, relate to that as far as, uh, your experience, strength and hope and understanding as far as, um, uh, what, what, uh, what do we, what you have to do as far as uh, being able to engage with the other men married or not, um, in, in your, in just your daily, uh, daily walk. Thank you. Sure. Yeah. This is river sexaholic. Um, Oh, I've tried to develop a lot of different types of strategies. Um, for instance, like leaving meetings, uh, this I think was given to me by my sponsor was um, there's not another woman in the meeting, you know, just taking the hand of my higher power and walking to my car. It's very challenging uh, for me to do that because I want to connect with people. Um, another thing that I do is uh when I am talking to a man um, and, and I feel triggered or I feel emotion, emotionally compelled to continue the relationship or to continue the discussion, you know, I feel a connection, you know, um, I look here uh, in the middle, like where the third eye is in the center of the forehead. And it is amazing. Um, it disconnects me from that eye gaze. Um, and it redirects me to remember, oh, I'm a sexaholic. I'm doing that thing. You know, I don't want to be this taker from another person. And I just uh, turn the energy back to my higher power, asking, you know, to find in God what I'm looking for in this other person. It's a few things. <laughs> awesome. No, I really appreciate it. And just, um Appreciate your share. It's it amazing. So thankful that uh, you got to share today. Thank you, Stan. Arash, you want to go ahead? Yes. Uh, hi, this is Arash Sexaholic. Thank you so much, River. Um, I was walking and really shaked by your share in a positive way. And very important for me and my disease to hear how destructive it is for Arash, you've got to mute. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Thank you. I'm Arash, sexaholic. So, um, and uh, uh, River, thank you so much for sharing your story. I was walking and I was really shake in a positive way um, um, by your honesty. And also, thank you for reminding me how destructive my disease can be and how it destroy both for both for both genders i usually sit from my own point of view as a male <clears throat> but i do have great respect for all the females within the program and without since i've been in this fellowship i have a very short question your answer can be long uh what do you do today for your recovery which tools do you use how do you stay sober thank you <laughs> Thank you, Arash. Yes, that could be a long answer, um, but I'll keep it short uh, because it is simple. This is a simple program that I like to complicate. Um, so, you know, it's just there are just five simple things every day 
Um, sometimes when I tell that to somebody who's not sober, they're like, that sounds like a lot every day, you know, but it's really not for me. I get up and in the morning and I do prayer and meditation. Um, I'm of service throughout the day. I'm either at a meeting or I know where my next meeting is going to be. I do some form of step work every day, uh, whether that is just, oh, I see I'm powerless over this or, oh, this is that character defect. Let me pray to have God remove this. Or uh, do I owe amends to somebody? You know, there's some sort of uh, step work in every single day, several times a day throughout the day. <laughs> and um, I read some literature every day. I mean, and it's just like one, and I don't use that day. So it just, they start to stack up. And as each day stacks up, my interest in pursuing those five things increases. And my interest in, you know, taking that look or getting some sort of satisfaction from food, spending, all the other things that come along, it decreases because I don't know why, because I'm more God-filled, I guess. I'm not sure. I don't think any of us actually know the why of it. It just works. So I'll pass. Thank you so much. Okay, we've got three more questions, and we'll probably run out of time. So, Moeen. Yes, thank you, Francis. Uh, thank you, River, for your share. Moeen, sexaholic from Iran. Um, I heard you that you're single, like as me, and I have a question uh, that how do you overcome by, by being um, alone or loneliness? Especially when when I uh, see other people or couples or you know boy girlfriends and can um, live together in a healthy way, I, I have some sense of jealousy and uh, sometimes a um, self pity that what what can't I what uh, what I can't do then why why me you know and uh, sometimes I I talked about it with my sponsor but I want to know your experience on that. Thank you. Yeah, river sexaholic, that is um, my, probably my most common theme also with my sponsor, loneliness. Uh, loneliness has plagued me since I was a little child. I have always felt alone, even when I'm in a room, even when I'm in a relationship, even when I'm in 12 relationships, you know, loneliness, it just, oh, sink, just that sinking feeling of dread and fear, you know, just alone, alone, alone. <laughs> um, so I talk a lot about it to my sponsor. I have shed a lot of tears. There were, I assume, be a lot more tears to be shed. Um, I, for myself, have come to see my loneliness as, um, a direct invitation and call from God to connect with God. Um, and it's not what I want to do. You know, it's just, no, no, I want a person. I want whatever I want. I don't want God and loneliness doesn't leave. Um, the only thing that satisfies and it's not immediate is the pursuit of a relationship with a higher power. I did bring a little uh, prop here that I wanted to share with you all, which is when I start, you know, forgetting who my higher power is, this is my little reminder. I don't know if you can see the face on this little gnome, but that is my higher power who just wants to give me good things and just wants me to be happy and, you know, to receive what God has to give me. And I'm saying no to that little face, you know, it's just like, okay, all right, I'll take the flowers. All right. So pass. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, River. Hi, everybody. Hi, River. I'm so I'm raging, as they say here in Ireland, that I missed your share because I was sure it was um, 6.30 London time. So obviously it wasn't. It was European time. So I'm really confused. Um, but it's lovely to see you there and the things I heard just now are what I needed to hear, especially 
you know, your higher power. I love his little face as well. How can you resist that face? <laughs> um, and the loneliness, that question as well, you know, and it is an invitation to be with the higher power. So I'm just really grateful and um, I'm really grateful for you and the fellowship and the great times you've had. And you're, you know, you're a great member. So I'll give you a big hug. <laughs> Thank you. Nice, Ayala, do you want to try again? Yeah, I'm going to try. You hear me now? Yeah. Okay, great. Thank you so much, River. Uh, I already hear you uh, on the woman meeting, but I'm super glad I'm here. One o'clock, no kids around me, just one florist with me. That's I was like super attentive. Uh, I'm really grateful that you talk about like friendship. Because as uh, SASNN, I really suffer about my husband having uh, like flirting relationship with women. And I know that I have, I do too. I know how he's been and how we suffer about it. Um, and um, like when a customer came here, it's very easy for me to be flirting super easy and you just remember like remind me that um he hurt other person i know because i've been hurt by uh the essay husband so i know how i feel and um i know that i can do that and i have to be uh um like careful and uh thank you so so much for uh, remembering me that uh, this is a progressive illness, but it's also a progressive uh, recovery. I'm here for only six months. I, I tried like three years ago, but it didn't work. I was too shy to come to men meeting. And uh, thank you. And hope to see you tonight. Thank you. I would like to thank you for listening to this episode of The Daily Reprieve, the best source for experience, strength, and hope for SA members. Please subscribe to this podcast to be alerted of new episodes. Please show your support by donating to The Daily Reprieve by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and choosing either monthly donations or a one-time donation by clicking Donate Now. Thank you for listening, and stay tuned for the next episode of The Daily Reprieve.